welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome back to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us again here today on the podcast. And Katie, what is going on on the farm? What's going on in the house? What's the news? On the farm, it has rained for the last four days, I want to say. Monday or Tuesday, we got like seven inches of rain in under 24 hours. There was, I have a video to post, but there was literally a waterfall coming through our basement wall. I mean, we have a dirt floor basement. It's a stone foundation. Like it's not as bad. It's a, it's a regular occurrence. It was not a surprise. Let's put it that way. But this was the first time that there's been flowing amounts of water coming through the wall in my years living here. So that was a bit unpleasant but thankfully our you know knock on wood our new sump pump held up to the job and anyway so coupled with all this warm weather we're having things are growing quickly so we're probably we're not quite to second crop hay yet but we're getting there jim is out sorting out ram lambs so that we don't have any surprise babies in the house jim started his new job last week this week i know what day it is he started his new job. Yes. And it's going really well. And he's very happy, which is awesome. And it means that I don't have to take the kids to daycare or pick them up because his new job is right up the street, which is Ooh, great. How many hours a day does that give you? About an hour and a half a day. Wow. And That's I mean, huge. but if you if you count to the amount of time that I don't have to like get dressed and emotionally prepare myself to see humans, that's a lot. Yeah. I will probably be a full-on hermit with like the felt hat and a walking stick pretty soon. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'll... now you never never leave, need to leave yeah. the farm at all. No, it's great. Kids are good. The girl child is very obsessed with when kindergarten starts, which is not for another month and a half. It's not getting <laughs> we'll old just at talk all. Talk about it all the time, though. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she saw a tree in our front yard has a dead branch on it, and so she decided this morning that that meant that it was fall. And that that meant that it was kindergarten would start today. Great. There's no talking her out of that. She is ready. Bailey, the horrible monster dog, got spayed yesterday. That slowed her down for about an hour, despite, you know, having staples. and. Sure. The girl child was very angry that Bailey will not be having puppies because I said, you know, there's already so many puppies in the world. And she said, but we could keep all of them. We could keep every puppy she ever had. They could all stay with us. And I was just picturing what you know, a house with 50 Aussie puppies would be like, (laughs) you know, one feels like a lot some days, I guess. Yeah. One is more than enough most days. So, but she's going to graduate from puppy kindergarten next week. And And how's she doing with her training? Pretty well at home, a lot better with the kids, very badly at puppy kindergarten because they're not allowed to play. (laughs) And that's just mean only desire in her little dog heart is to play with all those other dogs Mm -hmm. and she's not allowed to and it just hurts her little dog's soul that she cannot play and play and play that is very disappointing 
It's It's like bringing kids to a park and telling them not to play on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand why dog school does not want eight puppies running loose, especially when one of them is a, will top out at about 10 pounds and one of them is a six month old Great Dane. And there's kind of everything (laughs) in between. Yeah, Um, a bit of a difference there. Yeah, the tiny dog is probably more dangerous than the Dane is. The Dane is a very gentle and retiring sort of a creature, but also big. Mm -hmm. But I can see why they don't want them running rampant, especially when some of them are too young to be fully vaccinated and most of them aren't spayed or neutered or you know, I can I can just see the potential lawsuits there, you know, but it is still a tremendous disappointment in Bailey's life. Yeah. So, yeah, other than that, not much. How's things been in your world, Arlene? Things are good. Second cut of hay is in progress. So that that continues. We had our first show of the season for Heifers. So our two of our kids, three of our kids are in 4-H, one of them more reluctantly than the other two. So he did not show this one wasn't optional. So he opted out of this one, but it was a son of a, it was a two day youth event. So there was instructional time and their meals were included. And it was kind of a, yeah, it was a big 4-H event. So the 11 and 16 year olds both showed their, their calves there, did pretty well. In terms of it being a learning opportunity, they didn't say anything, but they they both had a good time and learned a lot. So that was a success for sure. Been feeding calves, like I said last week, and I wanted to share a tidbit for you, Katie, that this is something that it took me too long to learn. So in our calf protocol, so after rinsing and washing buckets, then the last step is a final rinse and bleach water. So it's like super hot bleach water rinse everything and then put them on put everything on the drying racks everything that we've touched during calf feeding for the morning or afternoon whatever so i kept you know just like it's not super full but sticking my hand into like the hot water and pulling the plug out and was you know being you know gentle and like worried about scalding my hand and stuff but i'm not sure if you know this about sinks but you also add cold water to it so instead of scalding your hand, just add a bit more cold and then you can pull the plug without hurting yourself. Arlene, you shouldn't feel bad about you know, that in case because you were wondering. I have been in that same situation and have scalded myself a number of times because <laughs> for, for non-dairy folks, at least around here, most folks turn their water heaters up higher than you would have in your house. Yeah. Actually, the water heater in the house when Jim and I moved in together was the one that had been in the milk room at the farm before they stopped milking. So it was big capacity and was turned really hot, which was amazing for showers. Yeah. Yeah. Great for showers. Great for sanitizing. Bad for you. It never occurred to me to just add cold water. Well, now you know. Yeah. (laughs) There's a hot tip for everybody. Or a cold, a a lukewarm tip, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'm going to try not to say just the tip again, either. Because... <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to cut this out because for anyone who doesn't know, I do have the emotional maturity of a 12-year-old boy. So, <laughs> Perfect. Anyway. And I was listening back to our episode from last week and I was thinking about something, Katie. So you were talking about your bedtime routine. So I was going to check in and ask how that was going. How's the bedtime routine working out for you? I'm afraid to jinx it. 
Arlene. <laughs> so that means it what, must be. What I will say is that our mornings are so much better when the kids are asleep before nine instead of it. 11 and I'm passed out on the couch. Right. Upside downside. So most mornings, not this morning because it was raining and Bailey just got spayed, but most mornings. So every day I get up at five. That's just, I'm a morning person. That's my happy time. And Mm -hmm. after a number of years of baking professionally and milking cows, five is actually kind of sleeping in. But now that they're going to bed so much earlier. So every morning I get up and I walk the dogs. We walk to the corner and back. It's about a mile. It's kind of stupid to say I walk my dogs because they spend all day outside, but they need the exercise. I need the exercise. It's usually really nice out that early. There's birds, there's deer, you know, scenic shit, whatever. Day before last, I'm getting dressed to go for my walk. Normally the whole family is still asleep and I'm about to walk out the door and I hear the pitter patter of little feet. And so the girl child came with me and she won't walk a full mile. I mean, she could. Mm -hmm. It gets boring about halfway through. She started talking before we left the house and was still talking when we got back to the house. And I'm not sure she even paused for a breath at any point in our walk. And, you know, normally I leave my phone at home. I don't wear headphones. It's a very quiet way to wake up. And it was amazing how much I enjoyed not having the quiet just to hear what my five-year-old has to say at at five o'clock in the morning. And then I felt really bad for my husband, who is surrounded by morning people, because the boy child slightly less so. It takes him about 10 minutes to get going. The girl child talks in her sleep, and she hits the ground running. I don't think I talk in my sleep, but I'm the same way. Like Mm -hmm. Feet hit the floor, and I am ready to go. And Jim is not like that not not the same style no no. so the reason i brought it up actually katie yeah was because i was thinking about you working on your bedtime routine and how different it was from our family and thinking about all the other differences that we have between us in terms of the way we parent our kids and you mean how you actually like i feel like there might actually be discipline at your house no, no, house, what I'm, I'm saying, just like, is the house on fire? No, we're good. <laughs> like... No, what the point, the point I'm just trying to make is that like our bedtime routine is completely different from yours, but everybody, but people still fall asleep, right? Like yeah. people sleep and they wake up in the morning and it doesn't matter. Right. And I was, I was hesitant to say anything about bedtime, our bedtime routines last week, because I didn't want it to come off as judgment, but that's one of the reasons we're doing the podcast is because it doesn't matter for doing it differently because that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Right. I mean, like we can, we can do things in our own households that work for us and that are, whether it's values or the kids that we have or the physical setup of our homes or, you know, all those types of things all play into why we do things the way we do and the routines that we have and the way we're raising our kids and it's all okay right you are absolutely (laughs) right arlene i feel like it matters a lot if the way you do things is not serving you Mm. and you want ideas or advice advice or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely other than that maybe if you're like i give my four-year-old three shots of kalua you know to knock him out (laughs) like 
even I would probably be a little judgy about that, at least as like a regular occurrence. Sure. But Short within that, the parameters of normal. Yeah. <laughs> right? But whether you whether you co-sleep from the day they're born until they move out when they're 18 or 25 or never, or whether they've always slept by themselves or, you know, I mean, we've talked lots about breastfeeding and bottle feeding and C-sections and vaginal births. And, you know, in the long run, there's lots of reasons why we parent and do things in different ways, but it doesn't, doesn't have to be judgy if we don't make it that way. I was feeling slightly horrified last night at how often all four humans in our house say poop butt because with a four-year-old and a five-year-old, they love to say poop butt. It's just a constant thing. And so Jim and I both say it too, because, you know, I was feeling a little bad about it. And then I told Jim, I said, you know, if our kids were spouting off racist things or homophobic things or just being shitty little brats, that we would have an issue about. If my kid thinks it's hilarious to say poop butt, it's not on my list, you know, of things. And if they find it hilarious to connect with us by trying to get us to say poop butt, fine. You know, that's, that is just how we parent. And if you don't parent that way and your kids do not say poop butt in public, God bless you and please tell me how you do it. See, you're asking but, for advice. Yeah. So then it's okay for us, someone to give you advice on that. Yeah. But if you're not uh, asking for it, then we'll exactly. just carry on. Exactly. Arlene, sometime I do really want to talk to you about your kid who's in 4-H but not enthusiastic and about what your parameters are for participating in events that they don't aren't super enthusiastic about. But that's a whole yes. other, that's a whole episode or like eight or 10 by itself. So maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll gather some listener thoughts about that. I will, I will say the short answer on that one is after a couple years of pandemic 4-H, we told him that it was important to his parents and we wanted him to give it a shot for one year. And so this is his year. And I expect that he won't enroll again next year, but we're, we're making it happen one meeting at a time. Yeah, it's something I didn't realize how hard it would be with kids all the way around is teaching them autonomy and also when it's just tough titties, you're going to do it. Thankfully, my kids yeah. are still little enough that it's usually about hair washing, but, you know, and I can threaten them with yeah. things like the dog's going to lick your hair all night because you smell bad, you know, not like big consequences, but mm-hmm. still. It's, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And all those, you know, all the concepts around, you know, following through on things and when we commit to something, what does that mean? And all that kind of stuff are discussions that, that happen over time and depend on the age and stage and what you committed to and how much you paid for it and all that kind of stuff. One I did not expect happened this morning that, you know, we do a lot of like health at every size and intuitive eating and you know letting kids decide what they're going to eat and like you know that we pick what's on the table but they can pick how much they eat you know i try to be very anti-diet culture etc but only the old fat dog just got put on a diet 
And so now Bailey is getting supercharged puppy food because she runs off any weight that she's putting on. She's gotten quite a bit taller, but no heavier because she's just solid muscle. So she's on, you know, supercharged, high protein, high calorie baby dog food. And Oli is on fat old guy dog food. And the girl child doesn't understand why he gets different food doesn't understand why she can't fill his bowl to the top because this is the other thing we've had to stop free feeding and he gets a measured amount which he still doesn't finish like he's not he's not starving to death you guys yeah. he's just like 15 pounds overweight especially since the kids have been feeding him table scraps and he doesn't run as much he's developed some arthritis but the best thing for that arthritis is to get more exercise and lose some weight so you know happens to the best of us but he's 57 or something in dog years. So, you know, middle-aged spread has caught up with him a little. Yeah. But trying to to navigate the the realities of some of these things when it's not something that we practice with the humans in our mm -hmm. household was more challenging than I expected. Yeah. I suppose though, I mean, you can look at it in the, you know, in the livestock sense too, right? You know, we feed different animals, different things, right? Where your lambs are getting different food than their parents or, you know, young calves are getting different food than, than middle-aged or, or older animals. So you can t go that way with it rather than being about weight necessarily, where it's more about what they need at different stages of life. That's a good point. In my defense, it was five o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> yeah. you don't have to think it all the way through at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, you know, I think we get such a, an idea that parenting will be like, we'll face this challenge one time and we'll have an answer ready and that'll be it. And if there was something I could tell soon to be parents, it would be that you are never going to know what the fuck is going on. And the minute you think you know what's going on, something will change. Yeah. Or the day you come up with the really good answer that you think really got through to them, they're going to forget that time. And they'll remember the time that you put yeah. them off or flubbed it or, yep. or ask you the same question again the next day like they never heard you in the first place. <laughs> I think someone feels connected to that statement. Yeah, yeah. Especially the boy child, you know, because he's four and he talks fast and he's still at that age where there's a lot of letters he cannot pronounce. The amount of times that we just literally don't know what he's saying is, mm -hmm. I feel a little bad about it, but he doesn't seem to care. So I don't yeah. care. I know he'll learn to pronounce the letters. We've done speech therapy. He's fine. I don't want anyone to worry that I'm like not paying attention to his development. Speech therapist kicked him out and said, he's fine. He'll learn to talk when he wants to. He'll get there. But in the meantime, it's a little confusing. So whatever. Well, now that we've had a big catch up, yeah. should we move on to our guest for the week? Oh, I guess so. All right, here she is. Today, we're talking to Nicole Tubis from Ontario. Nicole is part of a daring farming family and is also the owner of Muddy's Workwear. So Nicole, we start each of our interviews with the same question. This is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. And we ask, what are you growing? And this can cover crops and families, businesses, all other types of things. So Nicole, what are you growing? all of the above. <laughs> I have three little children under the age of uh, four that are with me all the time. And wait, 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 wait. Did you just say three under four? Yeah. Yeah. And your head so, hasn't exploded. They haven't told me it has. <laughs> oh, 
cool. I feel like I lost it most days. Like you're too what busy to notice anyway. The, the oldest just turned four and then two and a half and nine months. Wow. That's impressive. All right. You can four, keep going. Ten. Yeah, they're, they're all. Which is awesome. And then I've got the workwear business, which I launched last September after about two years of working to get to the point of launching. So definitely now at the point of growing it and introducing the products to the agricultural community. And then I've got just over an acre market garden that I grow every summer. So I start in June selling my produce and go right through October. So I've got a lot of stuff in the ground getting ready for June 1st. And yeah, that's what I'm doing. Wow. And then do you farm as well? Yeah. Well, I have the market garden. That's my farming. And then my husband is full-time at the dairy farm. And because he's full-time, I'm involved, but I'm not necessarily like committed to being there constantly. Yeah. 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 And is that a family farm or is employed on a dairy farm? Yeah. He's employed as the manager there. Okay. Okay, and Nicole, can you tell us a bit more about your farm? And did you grow up on a farm yourself? And what breed of cows are on your dairy? Holstein, and then there's some Jersey mixed in. I did not grow up on a, like farming at all. I was involved with agriculture since I was nine. I started making friends with the dairy farm kids next door and was over there all the time and fell in love with it. And then at 10, I started working, I guess not working technically, (laughs) but yeah, started having set hours working on the dairy and as well, like picking eggs for neighbors and just really fell in love with agriculture. That's exciting. So you're, that is a really big market garden too. What all you're growing there and is it like a stand or are you going to farmer's markets or what's your model for your market garden? Yeah, so in the past, I've run a farm stand off the property along with a 15 to 20 person CSA. This year, we're switching it up a bit. We're going to move the stand to a local farmer's market and do CSA pickup there as we're so rural here that it's nice to take our produce to the the city, the nearest city, and, and be able to sell that way. And then people don't have to drive so far out for their CSA box pickup. Sure. So will that be just one day a week then market? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy one day a week, but then it's nice in one way. Cause I know that I have to have the produce already for that, that one day. Yeah, that's true. And then you don't have people dropping in all the time. It's yeah. a little bit more focused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's, and obviously it'll be the days before getting ready as well, but yeah, then you've got all your totally, kind of totally. Like we liked having the fire. Yeah. I liked having the farm stand on the property here, but it was getting to the point where like with three little kids, they, they, two of them are walking. So they would run out when there was a customer and it would just, it was a huge safety concern having not being able to keep the kids contained. Even with a gate, they were always trying to get over to go see people. And it was kind of a pull towards the road, which I did not like. Yeah, for sure. They want to be little salespeople, but that's not always the safest option. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So my daughter, who's four, she'll be doing the, she'll be doing the markets with me. So she's pretty excited for, she's a little entrepreneur. She will see people in public and be like, Hey mom, it's a customer. <laughs> no, it's, it's a person. <laughs> we don't have to sell something to everyone we see, honey. Yeah. 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 That's it. So what was the inspiration behind the Muddy's brand? And can you tell us a little more about about your your product? Sure, sure. So when I was a a kid farming, it was very much just like you 
you know, farm clothes were clothes that your grandma gave you that were like three sizes too big and old and you wear them to the barn and that was barn clothes. And a couple years into it, my family bought me my first pair of coveralls. Of course, they were men's coveralls. And I was like enthralled with them because I was like, wow, like they, you know, are functional. Like, you know, I can put them over my clothes and wear the same pants for five days in a row and no way they would come off at the door. So like, just, I was like, wow, this is great. But like, there was always like a really, for lack of better terms, a very saggy crotch and like, like way too baggy in the shoulders. And so over the years, I always tried to find, you know, every time it was time to go buy new where I was just trying to find something that fit a little better and a little better. And I never really achieved that. And then with my husband, he's, when him and I first met, we were actually raising goats for meat. So then I started doing the trips to town for feed and workwear and buying him stuff as well. And there was a lot of conversations of like, oh, someone should do that. Like somebody should make women's workwear and somebody should make innovative, whatever it be. Like he would say, someone should make it more durable. Someone should make it more move to a different farm for him to become the manager of the dairy coveralls. And along with each time I go, he's like, oh, can you find the ones like with the process of, which started the process of realizing that there wasn't anything that was Canadian made. There was a lot of Canadian assembled, but trying to find a Canadian company was really difficult. And then eventually I just kind of got fed up and was like, I wonder how hard it is to make workwear. Like I should do this. And then I realized it's, it's really hard. Yeah, so there's there's a reason why everybody's not doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, so another farmer said to me when I was just saying how difficult it was to, to start this process, he said, yeah, well, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So keep at it. So Nicole, how long did it take from your original idea to actually getting a product out? Two years, pretty well the whole pandemic. <laughs> and then what what part of that process was the hardest or took the longest? Yeah, well, I, it's probably equal from beginning process where there's no manual on how to do it, mm-hmm. how, to, how to go about starting this kind of company. So there was a lot of research involved right at the start. And then once the ball was rolling and I kind of figured out the steps I needed to take, I started taking those. But then once I went through the pattern and design process, it was on to finding a manufacturer. And I was pretty passionate and still am about keeping it Canadian made, which just adds a whole nother level of yeah difficulty. There's not a lot of manufacturers here. And if there is, they're kind of kept a secret just because they are so hard to find. So you, it's, a, it's a long process to try to break into the Canadian manufacturing process. So that was the biggest struggle, I guess, getting things manufactured at the end of it. And so when what, it comes to actually, sorry, I, something just came to, came to my mind, Katie, sorry to interrupt you. No, go for it. So when it comes to actually designing the project, the, the products, do you have like a, a, I don't even know what to call a person who designs things, but like someone who yeah. actually creates it and then you try them on or like, what are the steps for like creating the actual design that you want to use? Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of steps for sure. So the main The main thing is, you know, I have to have my concept first. So that's going through the current work where we have and what we want to make different about it, which is one thing for the men's because I can take what my husband's currently wearing and I can go, okay, I want to make different. I want to put a pocket here. I want to fit a little bit more snug here. But then when you go into the women's workwear line, (laughs) I could not find a true made for a woman 
workwear. So I ordered, I ended up just finding a website that said they made women's workwear. They're from overseas. So I ordered a pair and they were just a smaller men's version. So again, I was at square one of trying to figure out what, what, how, how I should go about sizing because there was no guide that I could find to sizing. So once I went around and I measured about 50, almost 60 different women. And then from those different women, they're all involved in agriculture too, which was really cool. We put in you know, those sizes and, and started designing, okay, we want this here for the woman. We want, big thing of mine was I wanted the waistband to fit directly below the belly button. So you wouldn't look pregnant. Like I find most men's come up just under my chest and that kind of gives me this big balloon in my stomach. So things like that were really important to me. And then once that was all complete, I went to a designer and got drawings done just because I can only do like stick people. <laughs> and when that was complete, you go to a pattern maker who then takes the drawings and puts them into a pattern for you, which then will go to your manufacturer. Yeah, that's a lot of steps. And then where, where in Canada are they actually being made? You don't have to tell us the name of the manufacturer because no. you said that that's secret, but yeah. where did you end up finding somebody? Yeah, I did find someone in Ontario. So oh, great. it was like, I sent an email to someone who sent it to someone about six times over like that. And then I landed on my manufacturer. So Nicole, you talked about some of the things that your product has that other workwear doesn't, but can you outline some of the features of your workwear that you've worked particularly hard on or things that set you apart from other lines? Sure. Yeah. So our coveralls have a couple things that set us apart. Our coveralls were the first product we had launched. So they have men and women's sizing, which, you know, sometimes the women will fit the size. I do want always the waistband on the women's to hit right below the belly button, as that's a nice fit for the top and bottom. But then starting at the top, the shoulders are made with extra pleating in them. So if you're reaching up or over or as farmers do, you're not going to get, like, it's not going to pull up on you. It's going to give you lots of room to move as you need to without snagging. And then when you go to the chest pockets on the one side, there's a magnetic snap closure. So if you're walking through the feed alley and you're like, oh, I see something, you could just drop your phone into that pocket and it'll snap shut all on its own and keep your phone in there securely. Which will save, if anyone's like me, save a couple dollars. <laughs> lost cell phones and then on the opposite side there's a, a zipper pocket that's waterproof so you can stick your phone wallet documents whatever you need to in there so they'll keep it safe and then moving down to the pockets they're huge so you can put a ton of stuff in there if you're a dairy farmer they'll fit a ton of wash rags on either side plus like yeah kind of chaff too and then there's a tool handle on the one side and then the knees are reinforced along with the trouser cuffs so more for our coveralls but going into it we said like do we want to do you know what's kind of available on the market or do we want to make it something that'll last longer be more innovative ultimately serve the person wearing it and be a little higher cost so we went ahead with doing that doing it the best we could and it's definitely a higher cost but also the ones my husband's still in he's up to three times longer and I wash them up and they come out new so it's certainly worth it I know I wear mine every morning for, for milking. And the one thing that you didn't mention, but that I like too, is that the, the waistband actually has some elastic to, in it as well. So there's a bit of give in that center part of your body too, right? Where a lot of, you know, like the ones I used to wear were just like 
straight up and down and yeah there were, yeah there was that kind of you know like bunching and you know they weren't always all that comfortable through your midsection so i like that option as well so good um, to hear and what other so you said coveralls for now do you have any other products that you have for sale or what do you have in development are you working any anything for the for the future at this point yeah, so I, I have hoodies out as well. T-shirts are right around the corner. I'm hoping to launch them in the next month or so. And then my big one is I'm working on bib overalls. They've been a bigger challenge than the coveralls have been just because you're working with a different fabric. You want them to be breathable, but you want them to be durable. And it's a different fabric from the coveralls. So you need a different sewing machine. Just you can't do the pockets the same because the material is a bit stiffer. So it's just taking a long time. And I just have to keep reminding myself that like, I'm so anxious to get them launched. I wanted them to be launched six months ago. <laughs> but I know in the end, like the coveralls took two years, but I now have a product that can stand behind 100%. And so I'm trying to look long game with the overalls and say, once they do launch, it will be a product that I can stand behind again, regardless of how patient and how much I have to sit on my hands and wait for them to, to be perfect, more or less. <laughs> That's a good point, because you don't want to rush something and then not feel as excited about it right you know like to, to really believe in the product that you developed and the, that you got all the features you were looking for yeah absolutely and just yeah again we're, we're going to do sizing a little bit differently with we're going to offer much bigger size range right out of the bat so then it's a lot of testing on different bodies types and sizes to make sure that everyone's going to get a big size and they're not making sizes that are going to go to waste either I will say too that I really appreciate any companies that are making actual workwear in plus sizes because it seems to be a real gap in the market and men's bibs don't fit me any better than they do smaller women. I'm no. still not shaped like a man. Yeah. And the response I've gotten from some companies about why they don't carry bigger sizes has been very disheartening. Really? Uh, yeah. I messaged a jeans brand a couple weeks ago because their pants looked really nice and I said you know do yeah. you plan to ever carry bigger sizes and they just said no mm. it's okay. it's kind of a well it's a beef, like... <laughs> it's a beef I right. have with the industry all around because so for me I get four sizes made in my coveralls so I went with four sizes but I added two inches of stretch to each so to hopefully get eight different sizes out of that four four sizes mm -hmm. and like I won't tell you the exact number but hope it would be the same price as a down payment on a house in Toronto like I spent a ton of money to do those four sizes if I want to get into plus sizes or petite sizes to bigger money than that and it's like I'm funding this myself mm -hmm. and so I get messages of women saying hey I need an extra extra small or hey I need a 2x okay I hear you and I want to get that for you and I am working really hard to get there and it's not it's not it's just not how the manufacturing is set up which is is disheartening because you don't really get to pick your body type like yeah well and that's really good to know because it is society-wise I think it's so normal to just not have a size offered you need that it's hard to understand from a smaller company why it's maybe less feasible to do it yeah if that makes sense yeah if, if you're 
yet it does and it's it's something i really look forward to launching on both sides like launching a much bigger size chart for both sides because i think it will be emotional <laughs> for people like it's already been emotional for women to find work where that fits them and i'm talking to these ladies that haven't been able to find workwear on both sides of the size chart that are so excited for the larger and smaller sizes to come out because they've never had something fit them and they've been farming their whole life and it's like i cannot wait to bring that to you <laughs> well i'll tell you you can definitely sign me up because especially in overalls you know by the time you get something in a men's size that fits through the hips and the chest the legs are huge like yeah. there's yeah. room for two or three of me from the hips down in most yeah. of my overalls and i'm like well th this is ridiculous it, it's know? ridiculous but it's also not really safe like that's kind of the beef i have with the current mm -hmm. industry is going you know we we need stuff that fits us properly for function but also for safety yeah yeah, because clothes that don't fit properly and don't fit snugly or or in a way that doesn't obstruct your movements are are not safe for when you're you're working in the type of environments that we are. Yeah, exactly. So I, I have big, big plans for this company and I'm just learning that everything takes like eight times longer than I think it will. Like I, I honestly started in 2019. And I thought by spring of 2020, I would be launched or actually, <laughs> no, that's not true. I started in fall of 2019 and I thought I'd have stuff ready for Christmas. Little did I know it would be summer of 2021 before I had stuff ready. And Nicole, can you tell our American listeners, are Canadian sizes and American sizes the same, roughly? It depends on the size chart. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what that's I the way it was, is with women's wear anyway though yeah right? that's true I mean that's true I mean men's clothes I think I've vented about this before men's clothes you can they can give you a size of measurements or you know yeah. their size and you can walk yeah. into a store and buy pants in that size but I mean you know a women's 10 is completely different yeah. in, in depending on the brand or the store or the type so of go, time of year I don't know what the if you <laughs> go and see yeah, I've just got everything I possibly can in there because at first I just came out with a size chart when I launched the company that was like size small is a 30 whatever inch waist like I just had that and then people ordering from all over different places are like okay so what's your size 10 and I was like oh man so I had to go through and make sure that everything was so I think there's four or five different <laughs> ways you can size it now. Well, and it's so nice though to deal with the smaller brand where at least hopefully the sizing is consistent from one article to the next. I know I yeah. bought four pairs of pants from Old Navy a couple weeks ago, all the same size, and none of them are even close to actually being the same. <laughs> but like, it's great. Like, I, I would love to get into speaking about manufacturing, but I I probably shouldn't, but there's like none of that stuff's being made in the same place. So there's no consistency for sure. One of the questions I added to is what clothes are your kids wearing on the farm? Yeah. Are you making little coveralls or are they running naked like my kids? <laughs> in this weather, they're running naked. So I'm actually in the process. So like my t-shirts and my overalls are at the design process where I'm actually in the sample. 
like wearing in samples, my kids line as in the design process. That gives you an idea where I'm at. So I am right now working on a kid's coverall that is waterproof and durable and has reflection on it. So that also gives them the element of safety. But it's got to be, for me, it's got to be like an easy thing to put on and it's got to be durable. So hopefully they'll start product testing that for me this summer. <laughs> Those are definitely all qualities I would look for in kids coveralls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the whole kids line is going to be that bibs and winter stuff and whatnot. So we're in into that. But when people say, oh, when will that come out at this point? I've learned not to give set dates, but I, I am hoping that I will have their winter coveralls ready by the, the fall winter for launch. And are there extra rules when it comes to designing kids' clothes in terms of safety? Like, are there extra hoops to jump through for, for children's wear? Yes and no. There, like, everything is certified here in Ontario. Like, you have to have a number to operate to manufacture clothing. That being said, <laughs> there is more hastiness, if I can say that, in the industry as a whole than there is honesty. However, I would just hate, 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 hate. I need child to be wearing a piece of my clothing and get hurt because of it. So yeah, I am following very strict, like, you know, you, you buy these kids clothing and they come with a warning, keep away from flame or heat. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to follow my kid. Like, obviously they're not going to be a danger, but if you're by a bonfire, like, how far away do you keep the kid back 30 feet? Like when wearing this yeah, if, if they're blowing out birthday candles, is the shirt going to melt to their <laughs> yeah. body? Like, what does this warning actually mean? Yeah, so no, it's it's definitely, I'm huge on safety all around farm safety. Like, if you see my Instagram, I do the farm safety tips because things can happen so quickly. All right, are we ready? Yep. So, Nicole, one of the reasons we wanted to start the podcast was to talk to other farm parents about their experiences. So what has surprised you about being a parent? And what have you learned along the way that could actually be helpful advice since we just released an episode about how much advice people get without if someone were looking for advice yeah. not, not unsolicited <laughs> advice when you become a parent especially a first-time parent you get so much advice and then when you have your third child people don't give you as like they still give you unsolicited advice but not as much advice I found and but each child comes out so different that I wish from day one the advice would be you are the mother you got this that child belongs to you you make the decisions for that child from your heart because I definitely with my first was just trying to absorb advice from everyone and follow everything while not listening to my own gut instincts and yeah and then when something does happen that goes poorly and you just think why didn't I listen to my own gut and yeah <laughs> so now with number three I just smiled well thank you very much but you do also get you do get good advice every now and then and I think the one thing about farming and child rearing is how well I find it goes together the children are there they're watching you and your partner or husband farm and work hard and make decisions together and hopefully learn how to communicate really well with one another and I know we've really enjoyed watching our kids as they get older start taking on tasks and young ages having a pride for a well job well done and that's been really rewarding so like you said you're a parent of three pretty young kids with a farm and starting a new business so how 
on a day to day basis or you're making it all work because that sounds like you've, you've taken on a lot in a, in a few years. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I'd say like the perfect balance is when one thing's out of balance and you put your energy where it's supposed to be. And yeah, like just not being worried about the small things. Everything will get done eventually. Just prioritize what I need to do in the moment. But the kids always come first. And if and if they can be alongside me to do something, I always take a deep breath and, and invite them along because they're probably going to learn something and experience something. And it will make that experience for me so much sweeter. I went to a really big show actually in Eastern Ontario with Muddies and I'm still nursing my youngest. So she had to come along with me and it was really fun actually to have her there with me. And she got to meet a lot of people and kind of dropped the COVID baby syndrome. <laughs> and, and it was a really, a really neat experience all around having her there, getting to talk about the farm, my family and my workwear to a lot of people. That's an interesting way to lure people to your booth too, right? Like you use, use the baby to draw them in. I like it. You should, you should keep up with that one. But it actually backfired massively because I ended up, I had a friend come to help me and she ended up just taking the baby away from the booth and, and pushing around in the stroller because people would come into the booth and they didn't want to talk about workwear at all. They wanted to talk about the baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can I just talk to the baby? And I'm like, I just drove six hours East to show you my workwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the baby's cute but you have to yeah. buy some coveralls if you're gonna hang yeah. out here. <laughs> yeah 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 so and yeah but all around it was really good I actually found it as an introvert that being able to take my baby to stuff was really nice because nobody wants to talk to me. Yeah. But when you wear them then people just talk to your boobs instead, which is kind of awkward <laughs> that they're like, you know, up in there. Yeah. I took the boy child to a conference when he was about seven months old and it was really nice because at that age like they're easier to travel with than they are when they're mm -hmm. tiny tiny or big enough to walk um mm -hmm. you know and they're real cute and fun and but, you know but yeah I think it's there's this feeling too that you know farm parents will take their kids everywhere and it'll be super rewarding and easy at all times and I mean mm -hmm. <laughs> overall rewarding mm -hmm. yes maybe sometimes easy and helpful no not really no. <laughs> no not so much but that is how they learn so it is well I found just having one child and the work where like the show to worry about was like really relaxing compared to having all three children and both farms to worry about along with the work where. <laughs> that was like a little vacation I really was like when people said, oh, you took your baby. That must have been crazy. I was like, no, <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> that one stays put somewhat. Yeah. yeah, she did at the time. Yeah. So Nicole, we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at a county fair, what would it be? And the categories can be real or made up. Made in Ontario workwear. <laughs> yeah, you just made that category and you know in you're the only one innovative workwear yes ribbons yeah. for you so i think we'll move into our cussing and discussing segment 
we've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us and we'll play them on the show. So go to www.speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo. Or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we'll read it out for you. Katie, what are you cussing and discussing this week? I've been going back and forth around it and I'm going to say bras and underwear. Like I feel pretty solid on my socks situation. I yeah, you, you I did. Yeah, I'm hoping that Bombas will sponsor us like they do every other podcast because I seriously do love them and they're fantastic. But if any bra and underwear companies want to step up and like make something that actually fits and holds up and is either not eighty dollars or is actually worth eighty dollars, that would be great. You're here. That's it. I'm, well, you, you, you know, could just call, follow Nicole's lead and, and start your own line, Katie. No, I think we've proven that I am not <laughs> you, temperamentally lack of, suited lack of ideas to is this. Not, it's not your problem. Yes. Yes. I'm getting to an age where I've realized that clothing not fitting is because of the clothing and not because of some personal failing of mine has been exactly. a real, a real thing. You know, it, Yeah. Anyway. I love that. that's great I'm... say it louder for the people in the back Katie <laughs> yeah. also underwires whoever the fuck thought that up <laughs> if we can put robots on Mars we can come up with some way to keep things where they belong that does not involve being stabbed that's it yeah or reinforce them well enough so they don't jump out and stab you yeah or just have companies that can tell you which underwires are shaped like what. I didn't know that different underwire shapes were a thing. That was oh. a whole like brave new world situation right there when I found that out. Anyway, we just lost our last male listener. So, oh, well, sorry, guys. <laughs> we're, trying to, enough- we're trying to be inclusive to all parents, but I mean, yeah. half, of, half of them wear bras. Well, maybe half. Well, I, I mean, yeah, some of them wear bras. You do you. but Yeah, if you, yeah you don't have to. If you're old enough to be listening to this show, you've probably found out that many people have breasts and many people who have breasts wear bras and many (laughs) people, except my five-year-old, wear underwear. (laughs) She's wearing underwear today too. Nicole, sorry you missed this. We had quite a blow up before school this morning because the girl child is not going to wear underwear anymore. And we had This is one of your pick your battle situations where you're you're going to, you're going to. She was wearing underwear when I dropped her off. Let's put it that way. That's what you have control over. Yeah, that much. Anyway, Nicole, what do you have to cuss and discuss? The amount of people that are make sneaky wording to make it sound like they make their products in Canada when in fact they do not. Some ways to do that are by saying made in Canada or Canadian business. And it discredits those of us that have worked incredibly hard to develop a product of Canada. That is a really good point. And then there's like, even on food, there's weird ways to, to say things too, right? Like pro- processed in Canada or packaged in Canada, those types of things will- Drives I, me nutty. <laughs> I even noticed yesterday that my dog treats say farm-raised chicken. Like mm. where, where would we, because I know what, they want people to think from that, but where would we grow chickens besides mm-hmm. on farms? Like that's, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like people come on, I just got on TikTok and 
I've taken off on TikTok, which has been great, but also like you got to deal with all the comments as well. <laughs> and people come on there and they're like, oh, you're a Canadian made workwear. So is so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. It's like, no, you can buy that at Canadian store, but it is made in Indonesia. Yeah. Check the and label. It, like, it's frustrating. And, and then you see on some sites, they've got a Canadian flag, which means absolutely nothing. But because the flags there just makes kind of like your brain just says, oh, it's a Canadian made company. And it's like, no, they just put that there. It means nothing. Yeah, it just looks pretty. Yeah, it's there to trick you. So, Arlene, what have you got to cuss and discuss today? So mine is both a positive and a negative. So my oldest is now that the COVID policies allow it, is back playing sports again. And her sport of choice at the moment is rugby, which I was just at one of her games this morning, which is amazing to watch. These young women are lifting weights. They're training five days a week. Like they're, they have an incredible coach. They've got a great program. And I love watching them tackle each other and run and like use their bodies. And yet as a parent, <laughs> It is terrifying watching your kid tackle people and get tackled. And yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, you, they talk about, you know, once your kids are on the outside of your body, <laughs> you know, trying to protect them from everything. And this is one of those times where I both love it and hate it because yeah, they look amazing out there, but watching them ram into each other is both satisfying and scary. So yeah, that's my thing for today. And someone landed on her head. So, of course, I'm thinking about it more. Yeah. So, thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us today. Where can people find you? On TikTok, obviously. And <laughs> where can we find your products? And, yeah, give us all the info on where to track you down. Sure. So, muddies.com, M-U-D-E-A-S. I've got all my products up there. And then I'm on social media. So on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok as Muddy's Workwear. And you can always send me a DM through any of those platforms. It's me replying to them. And I'm always happy to help with sides and questions or otherwise. And just for clarification for our US or international listeners, where all do you yeah. ship? Yeah, I ship internationally. Awesome. So, Nicole, I'm really glad we had you on, too, because I honestly had no idea how much goes into making an extended size range. And if I have to, I will just buy a pair of overalls and, like, leave the buttons open. I'll just be that person. Because I work from home. Nobody's going to see me anyway. Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.